0: The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Piccola. Hello, I'm Thomas Doherty. And I'm Panu Piccola. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, the show for people around the globe who are feeling and thinking deeply about the personal side of climate change and the climate crisis, their emotional responses and their feelings. As you know from listening, I'm a psychologist in Portland, Oregon, and Panu is an emotions researcher from Helsinki, Finland. And today, from Montreal, Canada, we have a guest.
1: Hi, I'm really happy to be here. I'm Karine, Karine St-Jean. I'm a psychologist here in Montreal, Canada. I've been interested in this relationship between ourselves and the planet and all the emotions that come with it uh, for a few years now, and... um, trying to help as many people as i can to navigate these lands
0: well uh, bonjour karine uh, again, bonjour.
1: uh <laughs> yeah i'm, yeah. I'm french speaking too <laughs>
0: yeah like, like panu je parle un peu de français but not enough to carry a, an intelligent conversation but karine i'm i know i've had some connection with you and i'm really proud to have you here as our guest our first guest in our podcast actually and um I know you've done doing as a psychologist some interesting work in montreal and i just wanted to start off by asking you you know is this a, is this how did this um psychology and nature climate connection start out with you i think people are always curious about that for for mental health professionals was it a long-standing interest or was it something was there a kind of a trigger or an event and then you know what are what's what's some you know details about how this might work out in your in your life
1: mm. um started inside, like being worried about the state of our planet and navigating all those emotions like hopelessness, sadness, fear, um, and struggling with like conflicting values and emotions. So it was more like a personal thing that I was juggling with and exploring and started to talk about that with colleagues. And we started a few actions uh, at the clinic at work to uh, make this all the Clinic, this uh, old clinic, a bit more green and a bit more conscious. And somehow things kind of fell in, into places, and I started talking about eco anxiety, started like reading a lot about that, reading research, and at some point uh, decided to put all those thoughts together in a book. So that was my journey so far. And of course, being in touch with clients who are struggling with that, like carrying the pain and very deep questions about that like should I continue studying should I have children Uh, my children what I'm what I'm creating for them so all those things that were showing up in therapy so learning from those clients how they were navigating these emotions and helping them create a space where they could feel heard supported validated in what they are feeling and unpacking all those emotions were kind of also really a significant part of this process for me
2: that is very, very fascinating, Karin, and bienvenue. Merci. Working, working in, in, in Finland, there's lots of similarities in what we've seen. I'm not a therapist, but I've been facilitating discussion groups together with therapists for people who feel uh, rather strong ego anxiety and, and, and so on. So, Can you share us a bit more about the methods you've been using in, in such, such encounters?
1: I would say... The first thing that comes to mind is like holding this space for all those emotions to be named and to be processed and to be okay with the pain and the suffering that comes with it. So in me, but also with my clients, like so they can trust that it can be held and named and explored uh, and also that we can make sense of that and eventually do something, uh, whether it's to take care of ourselves or and, I should say, and take care of the planet too. So The whole process is, of course, infused by my, I'll say that, my personal practice and my personal belief. Uh, I'm, um, I'm exploring mindfulness and Buddhism, so it kind of infuses a bit how I approach, how we can help old emotions, but also uh, acceptance and commitment therapy is also showing up in how I help people.
2: Uh, that is most, most interesting. Thanks for sharing a bit more about those to, those me- methods. And since I have a background also in religion and worldview research and, and practice and so on, so I've also been interested about mindfulness for a lo- lo- long time. And it's, uh, it's fascinating to see also that in the books about eco-anxiety and related phenomena, that are now coming out very mm-hmm. many of them do have buddhist influences and people utilize mindfulness so there really seems to be something that helps people with this difficult emotion
0: mm-hmm. yeah and uh you know there's a there's a book dharma gaia that came out you know 20 30 years ago that was an early collection joanna macy's mm-hmm. work obviously you know world as Lover, world as self got has gotten into this kind of work um yeah, so I mean, this and this, our podcast is a holding space too. So the listeners, you know, we're we're holding space for our emotions and for yours as well. And then there's this critical tension, I think, with um with feeling and then action. Um, and I, you know, how how to stay with just with the feeling and with the with the presencing. With the, um, so I'm just wondering. I just want to name that off the back because I think that's just just an impulse that people have a hard time sitting still. <laughs> uh, and um, you know, really being with these things because they're kind of yucky. Mm-hmm. They're yucky feelings. Uh, um, you know, I know that comes up I'm, comes up in your your work, Karine, and, uh, and you experience it as well. But what are you know, ACT uh, therapy, acceptance, commitment therapy is a, is, a, is a model that I I'm influenced by as well. But what what are some of the examples of um, Karine that you would go to when someone's struggling with that mm-hmm. action impulse? You, is that something that you you can speak to Um,
1: when i think of act therapy so it's acceptance and commitment therapy uh, two things come to mind Um, all those emotions are are really just important information they are yucky but they are really important because they're they are telling us that something that we value or someone that we value is kind of influenced or hurt by what's going on so they are telling us that something is important so finding a space to explore these values, what, what's meaningful for us. Uh, and probably like all the listeners probably have different values related to climate and environment and the biodiversity and social inequities and injustice. So many of this can be brought up and named so it can help in making sense of the, all these yucky feeling that we tend to you know, work very hard to run away from whether it's by netflix or whatever, whatever mean we choose so um getting in touch with those value i think it's a way of approaching those emotions that can be a bit less uh, frightening first
2: mm-hmm. and the
1: other piece that I, I use um that i find helpful in an act is how do we relate with this mind that's not always so helpful for us uh sometimes we get get lost and very fixed and uh Someone that I know use a nice word like un uh, unbendable and unbreakable th- views or perspectives, and they can they can become very narrow and they can create a lot of pain. Like at 3 a.m. in the morning, when I'm still like worrying about should I have children or those poor koalas that that have been burned, mm-hmm. it's not really helpful for me. Not saying that it's true or not, it's just not helpful. So that's the first layer. And the second layer that sometimes I will go with uh, exploring with uh, people, clients, is what is this that's going on in my mind? Images, words, it's not happening right now. It may be happening somewhere, but for me, right in this moment, the nature of those thoughts are just words and images associated with feelings. And it's not, I'm not saying that in a way of, you know, just. Thoughts are not important, but more like, oh, can I relate differently with those thoughts? And I find this could be helpful in creating a different space to approach all that is going on when we think about <laughs> our poor planet.
2: Mm. That is most, m- most in- interesting. and A close colleague of mine in Finland, Nisari Saarimäki, who is a psychologist working with students, uh, studied a sort of pioneering group in Finland for future-related anxiety among students at a technology university. So mm-hmm. you can imagine sort of the contradictions that people have when they become more aware of the systemic crisis and realize that partly their studies and the professions that I, they are aiming towards are sort of part of the problem, so it's, it's very complicated. But she's been using uh, ac- acceptance commitment therapy quite a lot and we've had Interesting discussions re- related to it, it and uh, I think it's very, very important, just as I heard you say, to sort of emphasize the reality of the crisis, but then also say that you know, working with our thoughts and with our possible rumination and so so on, it can also help. So so it's it's not necessary to discard CBT all all all, to, all together in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and there's a there's a there's a tension between you know getting into the thoughts and trying to question them or just really just not tangling with them like Mm -hmm. they say you know let go of the let go of the tug of war with the thought and so that's interesting what I I have a saying in therapy you know our mind is going to do what it wants to do both positive and negative you Mm -hmm. know someone is really um you know in a more positive like say someone's out you know, they're out, uh, da- out dating and they meet someone and then they suddenly have all these fa- fantasies about, oh, they're going to be together with this person and this is the right person for them and they're going to be living together. And, and so they start, ha- you know, future tripping, as we call mm-hmm. it, you know, where they're just way out there. And so I say, you know, let your, your horses are going to run. So let them run, but just don't ride them, mm-hmm. you know. You know, so your thoughts are going to run, but you just don't get on on their back and ride them. And I, that I try to do that with anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. You know, our anxiety is going to run. It, it it's on all the time. It's a normal, natural mm-hmm. setting. It's, unfortunately we live in a time, you know, where the world keeps setting off our red anxiety light, you know, constantly, all the time. So we can let that run. So experientially, it's hard to do. Mm. Um, uh, then it's to the um, you know, with in terms of uh, climate emotions, we can also try to ha- think out the emotions we want to be feeling. Yeah, you know, that we want to cultivate. Like I've been playing around with this word faith you know um faith is one that often doesn't come up in climate discourse very much and uh but you know allegiance fidelity to something trust you know faith in our values yeah you know and how do we kind of play with that kind of growing feelings Mm.
2: you know growing the feelings we want yeah it's like the fbi you know that they have Word, words behind the abbreviation I think it's fidelity, bravery integrity. Well I'm not mm. commenting mm. about the actual FBI and these, but it's a nice combination of three values mm. and, and ver- virtues and you know fides, the original word linking both with faith and trust as, as you Karin, Karin said so. Th- does this sort of faith angle of Thomas resonate with you Karin?
1: Mm. When you first mentioned it It was, uh, what came to mind is this combination of uh, kind of trust and action uh, that goes along with faith that for me makes faith meaningful. It's kind of faith anchored in like real thing as opposed to Mm. some, you know, some of, some listeners and even me, like when we talk about faith, as Thomas mentioned, it's like, it's something more um, like I trust in something that I don't know or that. I don't have proof of, whereas uh, the fate that we seem to be talking about right now makes a lot of sense being anchored in an ability to also hold all the positive that's being done right now. Like there is, there are some good news. It may not be that much. <laughs> and if we don't read the IPCC report, it's a bit easier sometimes to do, but there is mm-hmm. hope. And if we can anchor ourselves in this, and faith that there's something that can be done and it it makes sense. Uh, But for some people it might be hard to allow themselves to have positive emotion. It can feel so wrong because they are so entangled in their own anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. And it's something that it's worth to cultivate, finding our own way of having faith in something that makes sense.
2: Yeah thanks for thanks for sharing that and uh, I totally agree from my own experience that any kind of healthy pride or even being content is very difficult even for ardent environmental activists because mm-hmm. of the strong possibility of ecological guilt or and, and shame and The situation where basically or theoretically Mm -hmm. you could always do more so it's very difficult when there's no established social norms that when when have you done enough Mm -hmm. yeah
1: Yeah. I've heard people being shamed by members of their group because they were daring speaking of something that's positive and there can be something of that in certain groups too so I think it's uh, something to explore at least
0: yeah, and i think for listeners it's it's something we uh, we all struggle with i struggle with this mm-hmm. Pan, Pano, Karin, we all struggle with this too i've worked with people in groups like the sunrise movement and they're 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 taking on climate change and social justice and you know built-in inequalities and in and, and, and so there's there's in every direction there are things to be you know, upset about and then it can really be a competition to see how bad you can feel in some ways and so it is radical to uh, to capture the truth of our feelings, which is that they're also positive because they're mm-hmm. wild. You know, as we've talked about before in our, our podcast, they're wild. They're going to come up. We're going to have positive feelings. Um, and this whole um, hyper-empathy is another good word that I, that I like. We've been talking about our different words that we like, hyper-empathy. You know, this ability to, to feel sensations of others really strongly, including pain, comes out of the Octavia Butler's novel, uh, Parable of the Sower. But, you know, we do have this hyper-empathy uh, because of technology and all the things we can yeah. see and, and hear and learn about. And so it does make it difficult. Um, but you know, faith anchored in a real thing, you know, like Ashley, Consola talks about gritty, gritty hope, you know, it's like hope that's or hope based in action or built hope. So I think there's this idea we have to be, you know, the, the, the actions and the emotions can work well together if we can get them in the right sink in the in the right sink. Uh, but I think there's, there's just a lot of loss, um a lot of loss and um, grief because our actions just seem so small sometimes. Uh, Do
2: do you, Karin, uh, operate with the concept of meaning explicitly in your work? Because, of course, that's one that's very closely related to the subject matter we've been uh, talking about.
1: I think it's, uh, it's essential that we find, that we explore the meaning of what we feel. And it's... For me, it's a big chunk of how I can be with all those emotions. If I'm just like drowning in them, it it can be really, really heavy. But if I can, and I notice that too in people, even in groups, like when people can find a collective meaning to their sense of grief or to their anger, it opens a door into, okay, but what can I do with that? And sometimes it can be as beautifully and powerfully simple as just going out in nature and being able to feel all those positive and emotions that we have to hold together because they are coexisting in that moment like there's the beauty of the nature but also all the awareness of what's going on in nature so but because we can understand all that we can put words we can discern and there's a sense of yeah it it makes sense uh, I think it, it's really, really helpful. And also, if I can understand what are those emotions are telling me, then it opens door door. What can I do? And it can be just making more individual actions, um, for example, reducing how much we consume, but it can also be educating people, getting invested in comedies or whatever feels right for us. But it will feel right only if we can make sense of what's going on inside. So, I think like exploring a meaning, yeah. it's a big chunk of what's happening when we're navigating those emotions.
2: Yeah, I think that's very, very well put. thanks thanks again, for putting that into into words. and a sort of big part of my work or efforts in it has been also to try to put out the argument that even amidst ambivalence, one can experience mean, meaning. Uh, th- th- thanks for mm. pointing out to this. I think quite common experience actually that, for example, being being out- outdoors, there's both the joy, joy and sa- sadness. Mm. But if you engage with it, luckily, then the mean meaningfulness can can grow. So I think it's it's always very very, very sad if people. Uh, for often understandable reasons sort of stay stay in inside and close da- down mm. upon on on, on turn seven. so that's often a danger i think
0: yeah and i, I think there's a there's a, a critical this gonna this this tension between action and and in you know, emotional work i think as mental health people we you know our, our our area is the is the mental hygiene it's it's our our most well best self to the situation but we are not sustainability professionals and I think we have to be careful of, of, of getting in there uh, and making kind of you know it's kind of theater you know where we say oh you know do some do some things and we don't really know we know mental health stuff so I think you know uh, how do we how do mental health pro- providers just help people to be their best self in general so they can bring their best self to these issues you know like i say we have issues and we have issues we have capital issues we want to change in the world we have small i issues our baggage and our yeah. insecurities and neuroses and stuff like that and that's where we help people to be their best self um yeah because i just feel like with fossil fuel propaganda it's drilled into people's minds you have to it's all your mm-hmm. fault you have to make the change so i have to i feel like in my work i have to stop you know name that that's that's a tough one though does that come up for you kareem
1: yeah what comes up for me a lot is this um like there are conflicting things happening. Like there's this I need my car to go to work and like all society is built around using fossil fuels. And also there's all the guilt of I should. And uh, we live in Quebec, so when it's minus forty-four, um, riding your bike for twenty Ks might not be like such a good idea. You you may need your car and this and also, there's all the weight of social norms and, like, all the stuff that we're carrying from, like... And it's it's not s- so easy to be okay with finding our own space. And, like, I'm not a bad person because I have a car. Um, it's just choices that I need to make and allowing myself to navigate the, all the other conditions in my life. Uh, so it's interesting, like how we can get caught up in like fossil fuels are bad or uh, shouldn't use plastic never ever ever Uh, but more like being a bit more flexible and finding what works for us uh, because in the balance our mental health is also important if I'm suffering a lot because I'm doing like guilt trip all the time not so sure that it works so yeah those issues are like showing up
2: yeah there can be even sort of quest for purity uh, in a sort of anthropological sense and that's one issue that would perhaps need even more attention. But you, you mentioned, Karin, that, you know, one has to work also with one's own emotions when starting more explicitly to work with these teams. So, so would you like to share some, some more about how did it go for you and your colleagues? You can, of course, choose the level of intimacy that you want, want to share share here. But how, how was the process or the transition when you started to integrate more of these teams in your work?
1: Um, since it started by uh what we call like the green squad at our clinic so there was a guy that started this off and a few of us like got along and since I was managing one of the clinics so we we tried to implement those things and so discussions were showing up on how do we feel about doing that and how does that make us feel to do something for this it was all good at the beginning and then we it the okay but the building doesn't recycle what do we do like Do we bring the recycling at home? Uh, But we're all riding our bikes to work. How do we do that by carrying bunches of sheets? And so it was quite interesting to together reflect on that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it shifted into like, how do we integrate that with our client, these notions, this eco anxiety And there was like, for me, and I cannot speak for my colleagues, but for me, there's uh, a sense of being heard A sense of connection, of sharing something that's important, knowing that I'm not alone, uh, feeling all the, you know, the guilt, but also the anger, the fear, the sadness, and all the nuances, the shades of sadness, of anger. So, but knowing that there were people at work, because when we talk about how we can help our clients, we talk about how we can help ourselves. So, it, it was helpful for me
0: in that way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We've got a few more minutes here. Uh, this is really neat. One thing that I've enjoyed talking with Panu about is 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 his Finland and some of the values and words and cult, cult customs they have there, and how nature and the natural world's talked about and sustainability. I'm wondering. I'm really, you know, intrigued with with Quebec and Montreal and the culture there and the Quebecois you know culture there i wonder if is there any you know kind of would you would you do you think there's certain strengths there or certain things that come out of that culture that's helpful or in terms of nature connection with nature the out of doors
1: i think there's a strong connection to nature and in this strong connection there's a lot of pain too because we see all our indigenous people Mm. like getting losing their land and their way of life it's a lot more complicated complicated than this but still there's this sense of a deep connection with earth nature motherhood and i remember in the last election how proud i was that quebec was one of the uh province that um put environment at the top of the list of preoccupation and how proud i i was and I remember when, uh, two years ago, when uh, Greta Thunberg showed up for uh, the walk for her, there was like hundreds of thousands of people on the street. It was the biggest walk that ever happened. And there's this sense of, yeah, we're not alone. Like we're collectively, we are preoccupied by that. And it's a good thing that we are preoccupied, that there's a sense of, ex- of a bit of fear. Uh, I think it's... Uh, and. I can see it every day, like people p- bending to pick up like a trash on the in a park, or so. Yeah, I feel like it's it's alive. This preoccupation that that's being channeled into action, which is uh, brings faith and hope for me to see that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks again for sharing, and I really like the way that you tie together the social and collective dimension with the indi- individual one. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very crucial here and in in different levels and contexts, the social dynamics shape so profoundly people's experiences. And coming from Finland, I can resonate with lots that you, you said. There is lots of good collective things happening. And also, of course, there's clashes and right this week, the Extinction Rebellion has been holding a autumn rebellion campaign in the center of mm-hmm. Helsinki, and there's been a lot of this discussion about that. and So So can can you share a bit more? Is there also also sort of contradictions between, for example, traditional resource intensive uh, uses of natural resources and then the sort of new environmental consciousness that you describe? Or is it proceeding rapidly? Or how is it in Quebec? I really don't know. <laughs>
1: I'm not too sure I understand the question properly, but what came to mind is that in Canada we are like a big, we were a big producer of fossil fuels, and like we're the one wanting to build a big pipeline, and so like of course there's a lot of contradiction. In Quebec we can feel it a little less. There's still like um, a lot of contradiction because some people are really into that, and there are of course, uh, <laughs> we're consume- consumers, so we're contributing to that. Of, uh, There's also are. a lot of things that are not going the right way here in Canada. so.
2: Yeah, thanks. You you understood me perfectly. <laughs> it's a it's always a relief when one is not a native speaker that somebody under understands. So, so one of the skills that we've been discussing in this podcast is something that my friend and colleague Sunny has actually also integrated into ACT, which is sort of skill of seeing two levels or binocular vision. Mm-hmm. So exactly this ability. To focus both on the good news and the bad news, and not just just one of one of them. Yeah,
0: yeah and these conversations um, come down to you know First Nations people and and, and being Indigenous. So I'm glad uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Karin. And you know the First Nations folks and, that are listening, you know we you know that that's something we want to honor in our in our mm-hmm. conversation. And then, you know basically how do we how do, But it, it comes down to everyone you know feeling Indigenous to a place place consciousness. And I think so. Underlying some of the other emotions and values, I think ultimately will come down to the place and being, being with the place. So I think as we'll wrap up here for today, but you know, I think our listeners, I would encourage you to, you know, take into what we've t- take into consideration, what we talked about, but also be out be out in your place and maybe put your hand on the ground somewhere and just you know notice where you are, because you know we we we, we hurt where, we're, where we care, and um, so you know we do care about our places, and that's why we have all this this empathy and and what we look at for faith but i look forward to some more conversations uh karine thank you very much for coming out and sharing um and panu is always great to chat with you
1: thank you very much it was really really uh, nice to be here today and conversation was pretty interesting for me so i'm grateful for that to both of you and hope that our listeners will find something of value in there
2: kitos very nice to meet you karine let's continue
1: Merci beaucoup.
2: Have a good day, everyone.
1: Bonne journée. Have a good day. Bye-bye.